It's not a fun club to be in, but once you're in it, there's no going back. I'm talking about processing death, or what we call grief, on today's episode of the Lucy Beatrix podcast. On my show, I talk about all kinds of topics, but today I'm unpacking the stages of grief and what I know about surviving the loss of a loved one. In my adult life, I've seen a lot, but nothing quite prepared me for my father's death, which happened while I was in my late 20s. He was only 57 years old, and it was probably the most traumatic thing I've ever endured. He passed away from a brain aneurysm while he was on vacation with my mom. I don't have the words to describe this kind of experience because, holy hell, it was horrible. But it wasn't just the loss of my dad. It was watching the unraveling surrounding his death in the months and even years that followed that is so hard. My dad was the glue of my family, the patriarch of my four sisters and me. So he, when he was suddenly gone without warning, all of our worlds turned upside down. Before I get into today's episode about grief, I want to make a quick announcement. If you've ever wanted to run with me in person, you can because I host two runs every week. One of those runs is called Track Class that I co-host with Run Coach Allie on the McCarran Park Track in Brooklyn at 6 p.m. And then on Thursdays, I also host a recovery run. For each of these runs, no pace is too slow and you can register through the link in my show notes. I hope to see you on the starting line. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to be talking about processing grief or dealing with the trauma of losing a loved one. The funny thing is, is that I shouldn't say funny, but something that my dad, who I'm talking about in this episode, taught me was how to logically process things and not let your feelings overtake you. And more specifically, when you're talking about something sad, how to not lose yourself in the emotions. So my dad actually taught me this trick where he said, if you ever have to talk in public and you don't want to cry, start doing mental math in your head and that will keep your brain um, from getting too emotional. (laughs) So I'm going to practice that as I talk about losing my father in this episode I'm sure I'm going to have to pause and collect myself to not choke up because this is obviously very heavy. But yeah, so I wanted to talk about the different stages of grief because even if you're not someone who's gone through loss or death, we all experience different forms of grief. And that could be from losing your job or going through some kind of a trauma. Maybe it's even enduring all of the stuff that we went through during this pandemic Um, a bad breakup. But yeah, grief isn't limited to uh, death. It It can manifest in all different forms. So as I dive into what these different um, stages of grief are, I'm just going to share my personal experience of how these things manifested for me while I was processing my dad's sudden death. So the very first one is denial. And this is kind of an interesting one for me because when I heard, when I first heard that my dad had passed away, I remember I was I was coming home from work and my group chat on my phone was just overflowing. Like there were texts 
like coming in, I could barely keep up. I was scrolling up to see what everyone was talking about. And I had gotten word that my dad had fallen uh, in the airport that he was at when he was on vacation with my mom in Florida. And they had airlifted him. Um, he was unconscious. He was he was in a vegetative state uh, to the local hospital. And so in that moment, I didn't know what to think. I had no idea what was going on. And my sisters were coming up with different ideas of like, maybe we should try to fly down there. And I just sat still and thought, okay, I don't know what's up with this, but I'm just going to stay where I am, not try to go down to Florida, but just keep keep going about my daily life as if nothing has, has happened. And in a weird way, I think that might have been this denial or just thinking that even though he hadn't been pronounced dead yet, I was just like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Just carry on. Keep going. And so I ended up um, going to bed that night and waking up the next morning. And even though I had heard he was in critical condition and it didn't look very good, I got myself ready for work and went to my job that day. And it was when I was on my way to work that I heard that he had like been officially declared passed away or he died. He was deceased. But I still went to work. I just went and did my shift and I told a few people there and this denial was very apparent in me, um, but everyone around me was saying, you should go home. You should uh, let this sink in for a second. And I was like, no, no, no. I want to be here surrounded by people. But I look back at that moment and I don't totally um, think that what I did wasn't the right action. I actually think that being around people in that moment was something that maybe was positive in the long run because it kept me kind of at this stable um, level place in order to then slowly fall into this deep, dark state of depression, which was obviously going to happen inevitably because that's just the kind of thing that does happen when you have a major loss. So it was after that um, night, you know, that I had heard that my dad had passed away. I went home and that's when stuff started to hit. But instead of processing it and like letting it hit, I turned to substance and I just started drinking. And it's safe to say that for the next year and a half, I just drank until I like, I mean, I barely remember from 2017 when he passed away until 2019, I barely remember anything because I just numbed myself out majorly. And um, I think that this the, the death was this catalyst to turning to substances and it was a perfect excuse to then start to numb out. So denial uh, was then, you know, denial planted the seed for then turning to substances and just abusing substances like crazy. Um, so the next one is anger. And um, for me, the anger phase is hard for me to totally understand with death because, yes, I was upset and mad. Like, why? Why did why did the universe take away my dad? Um, but I think it was more seeing the anger phase manifest in other people about my dad that that was interesting for me. Like, I, I don't think I necessarily embodied anger over losing my dad, but um, I saw it around me. I saw I saw people around me who were close with my dad um, acting out in their own ways. 
But I don't, I'm not totally convinced that I had ever, I never had a phase of anger with losing him. I was more just um, aloof at how to process what any kind of feelings I was having coming through me meant. Um, so this next phase, uh, bargaining, I think is very interesting because there's something that happens when you have a sudden unexpected event in your life, whether that's, you know, death or a death of a relationship or death of a, you know, a dream. This bargaining phase is this thing that we start to do where we think that if we, because this, this irrational or unexpected thing happened, we start to look at the world in a different way and think that we can do things differently to get a different outcome or bargain with either a higher power, God, you know, the universe to try to make things go a different way and not have something like that happen again. And oddly, I did start to get kind of superstitious um, once my dad passed away where I would think that if I did something the same way that I did when I found out my dad passed away that like then something bad was going to happen again. So for example, um, certain ways, certain things that I think about when I was talking to my dad right before he passed away and it was completely normal. There was not a sign in the world that he was about to simply drop dead, to put it bluntly. I think about when I talk to other people. So like, you know, with grandparents and with my mom, I get really nervous that that's going to happen again. And I start to think like, oh, oh gosh, like I hope that I didn't just jinx the situation and you know, God forbid it happens again with someone else close to me. And you start to kind of think that there, there are these patterns when really the, the death is completely spontaneous and there are there is no pattern. It's just it's just um, a coincidence. So, yeah, so you do start to kind of bargain. I guess I can see that I, I had a little bit of that, but I wouldn't say it was anything extreme. I would say that bargaining comes more with the grief of different kinds of things that die in your life. So relationships or job-related, dream-related type deaths. Because with the actual physical death of my dad, I think I've seen more bargaining in different ways of processing grief that aren't necessarily related to the death of my dad. Uh, this next one is definitely the biggest one on the list of some of the phase of grief that I'm like, I think I, I, I might even still be in this phase, but depression <laughs> because yeah I that depression is just inevitable when you lose someone that you love and for me this manifested I was entangled with my um my substance abuse and just life in general and I think that anything that I was up to um this there was just this dark cloud of having to go through holidays or life events and know that you're going to have to experience them and make new memories without that person. The darkest thing about processing my dad's death and this kind of depression is thinking, my dad will never walk me down the aisle when I get married. My dad will never be there to see, you know, if I ever have a baby or if I make it to the Olympic trials or if I publish a book, he will not see it. But um, the flip side to this, and this is like how I rationalize in my brain and how I process this kind of stuff, is this idea that even though he isn't physically here, 
his uh, spirit is. And I tell myself this all the time. I tell myself that even though he isn't here in a physical form, there is this memory, this ethereal, elusive uh, spirit of his still here. And so that's kind of like my way of processing the depression. And lately I've noticed, even through hard times um, when I miss him, that I can go back and read his emails to me. I can go back and read his Twitter because he had a really funny Twitter. And I mean, he obviously he was this like prolific writer. So there were a lot of um, there's a lot out there that he wrote that I can kind of live through. And even just within the emails that he sent, it feels like he's right there. It feels like he's right there. So it kind of is a way to combat this kind of depression and live like let his let his memory live on. The last stage of grief is acceptance. And I think I've actually hit this one. I think this one might take a long time for different people, depending on what it is that you're grieving. But acceptance is when you can finally just say, yes, this happened and there's no going back and it's done. And that, oddly, I can I can think of like the different things that I've been through as far as like, you know, dead relationships and actual physical traumatic death. And it is that acceptance that when you just know, okay, this you can you can, for lack of a better word, you can bury this in the ground and know that that's what's done is done. And as much as I um, don't like that he passed away, I can accept it. So it's removing this kind of attachment to um, the outcome that you wanted and just say, okay, but this this is what it is. And uh, in a weird way, acceptance is kind of the best phase of grief because then you're it's that you're on the other side of it and you're able to process and move on and think about it in kind of a cleaner way. Like this, like even just now, me talking about this is something that says to me that I've been able to accept it. I'm not sitting here thinking he's coming back. And this might also be because sometimes he shows up in my dreams. Last night, I had this dream about flying back because I'm, I'm going on this big trip um, in real life in a few weeks or next week, actually. And I had this dream last night that he showed up, my dad, and he, like from beyond the grave, he was clear as day as he always is and or as he always was. And I should say, and he was helping me book a flight <laughs> to get back to New York <laughs> Because um, in my dream and in real life, I haven't booked this flight back to New York yet. And he was like telling me about how to find a good deal. And in a weird way, um, when I woke up, I wasn't sad. I was just like, oh, he's still right here. He's right here. But yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. There is a lot to be said about the five stages of grief. I only just scratched the surface, but I thought it was interesting just to bring them up because maybe as I was talking about these different phases, it sparked some kind of um, thoughts in your mind about maybe if you've processed grief in your own way, just being aware of the phases and being able to recognize which one you might be in. Or prepare yourself for if ever you do have to um, grieve because it's something that as humans, we all have to go through. We're all going to be confronted with death at some point or another. 
it's not fun, as I said in the beginning of the show, but it does teach you a lot and um, it makes you more of a dynamic human who's seen a lot of things. So on that note, <laughs> processing death with Lucy Beatrix, <laughs> this is kind of a darker episode. Um, I hope that you guys somehow got something out of this. You can always hit me up on Instagram. I'm at Lucy Beatrix, L-U-C-I-E. B-E-A-T-R-I-X and until next time just be fast just win <laughs> <laughs>